calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello. My name is Neil Govia, Director of CPD at the CFA Institute. Today, I'm in Mumbai at the 9th Annual Indian Investment Conference, and my guest today for this Take 15 interview is Gert Gigrenza. Gert is the director of the Hardin Center for Risk Literacy at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. Gert, it's a pleasure to have you here today and uh, to talk about uh, heuristics and other things. It's my pleasure. So my, my first question, um, because I think it's a fascinating one straight away, is the difference that you make between risk and uncertainty. And my understanding that solving or working in risk is better for uh, a probability or maybe a complex model, whereas a heuristic solution seems to work better in areas of uncertainty. So can you just distinguish between those two areas, risk and uncertainty, please? Okay. A situation for risk is one <clears throat> where the future is like the past, where no okay. all the future states of the world, their consequences and probabilities. So if you go to play roulette, in a casino this evening, you are in a world of risk. Everything that can happen is known ahead. No surprises. The uncertainty means that some of these things are not known. So uh, most <clears throat> things in the world are actually uncertain. Right. Think about Brexit. <laughs> Think, I'm trying not to. Really. <laughs> or just uh, human concerns. So whom to trust, where to invest. And under uncertainty, by definition, you cannot know the future. You can make guesses. Yeah? That also means that optimization methods, you can apply them, but you don't know whether they give you the optimal answer. So, and here under uncertainty, we need different tools to make good decisions. So tools that are sufficiently simple in order to avoid fine-tuning on the past. Okay. So fine-tuning on the past is exactly what most finance theories try to do. And <clears throat> since you are in a world of uncertainty, uh, that's also one of the reasons why these theories don't work. So you, you say the theories don't work, and. You know, so as I was going through my academic studies, then everything from black shows to mean variance optimization yeah. seems to be built on a model using probability or the assumption of normal right. distributions. And they are used in this world of finance, which you say is uncertain. Mm -hmm. But if in the world of finance, if I was to use a more heuristic yeah. approach, maybe my results wouldn't be so accepted. So how can those models which you're saying aren't the best fit, have dominated our world of finance for so many years? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, you mentioned uh, Harry Markowitz. Yes. So Harry Markowitz is known for the mean variance portfolio, yes. got his Nobel Prize in economics. When Harry Markowitz made his own investments 
for the time of this retirement, he uses Nobel Prize winning optimization method, so we might think, but he did not. He used a simple heuristic. Okay. That's called 1 over n. So n is the number of assets. And if you have only 2, you make 50-50. If 3, you make a right. third, a third, okay. a third, and so yes. on. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are studies about how good that is. Now, if the world of finance would be like a world of risk, then Markowitz, assuming his assumptions are right in yeah. addition, would be perfect. But it's not. And the studies indicate that in many situations, 1 over n can make more money, as measured by shop ratios or similar things, than Markowitz optimization in the real world. And the interesting question is, can we identify the situations where complex models pay and where they fail? And vice versa, where simple rules like 1 over n fail and where they pay? That is the really important question. And uh, <clears throat> finance largely yeah. doesn't address it. So coming back to Markowitz, did he say why? I mean, when the Nobel Prize was one model, he went back to a more heuristic approach when he came to his own investments. Did he ever say why he was doing that? Uh, there to some, your knowledge? <clears throat> there are some interviews with him, yeah. Yes. And he's not very clear about that. He, uh, in one interview, he said something that I, yeah, if it could have gone this way, I would be sad. If it gone the other way, I would be sad. But it was obviously, um, uh, what, the interesting thing is that in, uh, look, you, uh, if you take uh, Merton and Scholes, yes. who um, were senior advisors in long-term capital management, yes, okay. they appear to have used their theory and the result is known. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it is, we should take this thing seriously. And we know from many other areas that uh, you need, in a, under uncertainty, you need to make these models simpler in order to avoid error due to overfitting the past. In machine learning, this is called the bias-variance dilemma. So it's not only that you get the thing right huh, and have this trembling hand, but also, you want to have something sufficiently simple, and maybe not too simple, in order to have a good guess that you make good predictions. You mentioned a good guess, but that's probably a risky way of trying to build up a career. I mean, I'd like my finance advisor to be lucky, but to be skillful as well. So will the markets reward you for your best guess? I mean, going with your gut feeling, I would imagine, can be a, a dangerous proposition sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> now, gut feelings can be right and wrong. Yes. Yeah? That's just like an optimization metal can be, can be right and wrong. And that's, I think it's a prejudice to believe that gut feelings would be mostly uh, wrong and uh, whatever uh, mean variance or some other theories mostly right. No. Okay. It is, the, the general take is, if you are in a situation that resembles to risk, so where tomorrow is like yesterday, where it's fairly stable, then do fine tuning, yes. But if surprises can happen, it's a dangerous thing. And there are many examples. So think about big data, a similar yeah. idea. We believe that the more data, the better. This is true in a world that's really stable. So in Astronomy, big data has been used actually for centuries. You know. right. People are collecting mass. And, and it works because the 
movement of the heavenly bodies is highly regular relative to our short lives. In healthcare, it usually doesn't work. Think about Google flu trends. That was the showcase of big data. And it was announced in 2009 with fanfare as the way to predict faster than the Center for Disease Control, the spread of flu. And have you heard recently about it? No, I haven't. It has been closed down. Oh, right. <laughs> it didn't yeah. work, yeah, but without fanfare. <laughs> now, yeah. the interesting question is why? So, in 2009, they started to make prediction, and that should be, count as a, something positive, because they actually made predictions. Most of the time, big data just right. claims. Yes. So, yes. Made predictions. And they had about five years of calibration data. Now, uh, in 2009, the swine flu came, and in the summer, outside of the flu season, how could the algorithm know that? Right. Fell flat. And later, people <clears throat> uh, who were curious and having no symptoms also put in search terms. And the algorithm cannot distinguish <laughs> yes. those who have symptoms and so on. These are some of the reasons. And, and the interesting thing now is, what Google did not do is to test their algorithm against a simple rule that has been done later in publications. And it was found that um, <clears throat> a simple heuristic using only one reason right. could outperform the entire big data. And what is that reason? The reason is obvious. So the dependent variable was always the number of flu-related doctor visits. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you take? You take the number of flu-related doctor visits two weeks ago. Two weeks ago because there's no data for one week ago. Right. Okay. So you take the next one. And, <clears throat> and that predicted in their own data better than their entire <laughs> algorithm based on an analysis of 50 million right. or so search terms. It's, it's an example that we often do not even ask the question. Could we improve by making it simpler? Okay. We ask the question, if something goes wrong, how can we make it more complex? So this is the less is more argument right. in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I understand that, and that's a great example about the flu, but the world is going down the path of big data, um, artificial intelligence, which to me is just crunching big data very fast and very quickly. Yeah. So that's the enemy of a more heuristic approach as we all get to assume that AI is giving us the right answer? No, no, it's not an enemy. It's not an either or. Okay. It is uh, the question, the real question is, uh, can, can we identify the situation where a simple heuristic, such as relying on just one reason or yes. one over n, will likely to be better, perform better than a highly complex model? And where's the opposite the case? Right. That's the question. So if you would go back to Google, uh, going into flu, that's a situation where you cannot really hope that a complex <laughs> model will succeed. Yes. But going into face recognition or speech recognition, these are things, faces and um, voices are fairly constant. Yeah? Here you can, these are really the successes of, of machine learning. Okay, I understand that. So, I mean, we're going to run out of time fairly, fairly soon. Do individuals, when it comes to making their own individual investor, not markets now, it's one over N, how do we use a more heuristic approach? Because they're not walking around with financial models in their head. Do heuristics drive the retail investment market? Oh, yes. 
So the, uh, with all business people I've talked to, I have not found a single one who would do uh, the traditional economic analysis. Right. And, but they usually do um, heuristic like satisfying. So yeah. one study with uh, Dallas entrepreneurs uh, who were uh, looking for uh, developers from for real estate, uh, they showed that they're all doing some kind of satisfying. So they, they have an idea, uh, I want to make X profit in Y years, and if it looks like that, I'll go into this. Okay. And they, they often look just at one or two or three sites, that's all. Very different from an analysis uh, in according to economic theory, where you would survey everything and then make your decisions. Um, I think probably maybe one of the last questions. Uh, you're director of the Harding Centre for yeah. Risk Literacy. Yeah. How does the risk literacy tie in with heuristics? Yeah. So uh, risk literacy is a term uh, because uncertainty literacy is not a term that people understand. All yeah? oh, right. Okay. But, <laughs> but it, it goes for both. So we uh, do uh, lots of research in the medical domain and also in the financial domain. And here, there are, there are two kinds of problems. People need to understand evidence. And here you need to understand probabilities. But also people need to get devices in order to make decisions. And that's in both cases, it's our heuristics. So financial heuristics. It's very important to teach the people in a democracy how to handle money. And you don't get that if you teach them a course in finance, <laughs> right, but you yeah. teach them simple heuristics like a third in stocks, a third in bonds, a third in real estate. So diversify in a, in a yeah. simple way. Or don't buy any financial products you don't understand. Okay, right? yes, that would be a good and one. That's a good one that would have been a very good one before <laughs> yes. the last financial crisis. Yes. And if people on both sides of the Atlantic would have followed it, the financial uh, crisis would not happen as right. it did. Okay. Sure. So these heuristics can be much more powerful than uh, most of finance theory. And I work with the Bank of England on developing regulatory heuristics right. that are simple enough that the regulators can understand it and that also the chances that the banks game it is smaller and also they are actually according to the studies we have done, uh, they can predict bank failure better than highly sophisticated weighted models which suffer by, from overfitting. Well, I, I like the way you say it's simple enough for the bank to understand it. <laughs> but uh, on that point, I think we've got to leave it. Our time is up. So thanks once again, uh, Gerd, for giving us your time and the insight into heuristics. And it was a pleasure. Agent. Thank you very much. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.